What's up, guys? This is Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Make sure to check out the latest addition to the Ringer lineup, Music Exists. Each week, Chris Ryan and Chuck Klosterman ask and answer questions about their love of music while exploring the role of concerts, locations, fandom, criticism, genre, lyrics, and much, much more. You can listen to new episodes of Music Exists and follow along every week for free on Spotify. Welcome to The Pod Is Spoken, the Ringer's Survivor Recap Podcast. I'm Riley McAtee, I'm your host, and every Thursday I'll be here on the Ringer Dish feed to recap the latest episode of Survivor. On each pod, I'll have a new Ringer staffer with me. Today, it's my partner in the buddy system, Chris Ryan. What's up, man? I won't leave the fire until you do. Yeah, let's just stay around all day. I'll just sharpen my machete, and you can sit there and look bored. It sounds great. Super normal behavior. Today, we are breaking down episode five of Winners at War. This is a big episode. It's the swap episode. The swap always carries with it a bunch of far-reaching implications. And in this episode, it partially resulted in Rob going home. We'll talk about all of that. But before we get started, I did want to shout out cbs.com slash Survivor ALS info. As we saw on this episode, Jonathan Penner's wife is dealing with a devastating ALS diagnosis. And as a result, Penner, Yule, and CBS are doing a push to fight ALS. If you want to join their fight, you can go to that website, cbs.com slash Survivor ALS info. You can donate. You can get involved. All donations are being matched by Yule very generously up until $50,000. So go check that out. On that note, let's get started. We'll begin with our first segment, which is Tribal Council. Chris, let's start by talking about the swap. So we have three tribes now, three of five. So they're all very small tribes. You have the new Sele tribe with Michelle, Wendell, Nick, Parvati, and Yule. The new Decal tribe, which is like a, in my opinion, like a power tribe with some big heavy hitters. Tony, Jeremy, Denise, Sandra, and Kim. And then we have the Yara tribe, this new green tribe. Rob, Ben, Adam, Sarah, and Sophie. Who do you think made out the best in this swap? Who made out the best? I would have to say just the members of DeCall just because I felt like they had, like you said, like powerhouse physical team, also pretty uh, pretty sharp around camp and pretty sharp socially. And there wasn't really any obvious tension going into that. I, you know, T- Tony and Sandra would be the two most obvious people that you would see pitted against one another. And they seemed to immediately go into... Uh, wild animal kingdom kingdom metaphors as soon as they got to camp. So I thought that they were in good shape. And even though I, you know, going into this season, I would have probably said something like a Michelle, Wendell, Nick, Parv, and Yule camp would be in good shape. That apparently is Love Island. Yeah, that tribe is unbelievable. On to call, I think that Kim is in a really strong position because she was on the outs. And so whenever you're on the outs, a swap can be a big help because now you can become that swing vote. And it's really interesting to me that all of the tribes are 3-2 splits between former Decal and former Sele. Either 3 Decal or 2 Decal and 3 of the other. Um, So they're all kind of even with one sort of swing person, potentially, depending on how it works out. But interestingly enough, as we saw at the end of the episode, with the Yara tribe those numbers didn't matter going into these smaller five-person tribes, right? The the 3-2 doesn't matter if the people in the three all hate each other. Or at least they all hate one person. <laughs> yeah. 
let's talk about Sully a little bit because I just found them so fascinating and hilarious. Parvati is kind of, she's on the two with her and Michelle, but she sort of was in the middle and that she was trying to get to know everybody and was in the middle of just this unbelievably awkward stuff between Michelle and Wendell and between herself and Nick, honestly. Yeah. I think she was soaking it up a little bit. Like, I think that that's her game. Um, and I think that she just saw like, oh, if people are going to view me as this iconic legend and in some ways an object of uh, high school affection, I can use that to my advantage. So I think that for as much as she was like, yeah, this is super awkward. She was like, this also puts me in a really good position in this tribe. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the big thing on that tribe will be obviously because they didn't go to the tribal, we didn't get to see it all. But they talked about how Wendell, Nick and Yule, the three guys uh, who came in together are all really tight. And right now it doesn't seem like, you know, at least Wendell clearly doesn't want to work with Michelle and therefore by extension Parvati. But there could be a crack there with Parvati and Nick and maybe even Yule, too, if he sees a different lane to go in. So my big thing coming out of this episode Sometimes I get a little bit annoyed when I feel like uh, an episode of Survivor or a season Survivor is hammering a theme that isn't actually there. But I actually think that you could have just as easily called this season Survivor off screen and on because they really did hammer home the sort of back in the real world relationships that all these people have. Uh, Wendell was hilarious talking about it. He's like, sometimes you just kick it. We kicked it. I love that. Wendell but, is amazing. You know, I had no idea that Wendell and Michelle had a, a love story for the ages, but clearly it's going to impact the game. Clearly Rob and Amber's pre-existing relationship, as in they are married with kids, is going to impact the game. Yule's and his, Even Yule's relationship with Jonathan is like a huge motivating factor and a huge story point on this, on this uh, season. So it's one of the first times I can remember where there are so many different... Um, narrative plot like narrative plot points that are entirely based on off island off screen relationships even the poker club yeah the poker club was the big one if you're a big survivor head like i am you understand that on any of these all-star returnee seasons there is pre-gaming there are people talking before they even go on forming alliances that may or may not actually manifest in the game, or they just have relationships, right? They're friends. uh, They know each other. The survivor community is kind of tight knit. And I can never remember any season that's been like this where they acknowledge it so much on the actual show. It seems like previously survivor has wanted to pretend like all that stuff doesn't really exist. And here they are leaning fully into it with the poker Alliance, Michelle and Wendell and everything else. And it's really interesting. Yeah, and then you, you know, I'm actually relative to the amount of time that Survivor's been on TV. I think I've been watching for the last eight years or so. So I've seen quite a few seasons, but actively watching for like the last eight years or so. I was not, I've never watched somebody do the buddy system before. So it was really fascinating not only to see it happen, but also to see everybody on the island pretty much be like, yeah, Rob's doing the buddy system. (laughs) Right. So it, even gameplay has like this kind of legendary aspect to it. He's done this before, obviously. I don't know if anyone else has ever tried to do the buddy system. It feels like one of those things where it's like only Rob can do it. Yeah, it's a definitely it's definitely a, it seems like a shoot the moon kind of thing. Like if you pull it off, you pull it off, but if you don't, you're you're out. It feels to me like the type of strategy where fine, if you're playing Survivor Redemption Island, you're with a bunch of newbies, that can work. But if you're playing with uh all winners, 
you know, they kind of s- figured out what was happening immediately. Sophie and Sarah did. And I just don't know if it's going to work in that case. Yeah. And you could tell that it was both, there was an emotional component to it, which I, I really thought was interesting because, you know, if you're going to think about it, like, one of the things that I think we don't see a lot of on Survivor is boredom, right? But you have to imagine that there's a ton of it because boredom doesn't make for good television. But watching them just sitting at camp all day and obviously like baking in sunbeams and Rob keeps stoking the fire, like he's just trying to make it as uncomfortable as possible. And he probably was driving those folks out of their trees a little bit because they're like, I can't leave. It's hot. No one's talking. I feel isolated and I have no idea what's going to happen in tribal. And essentially like... If Rob had had any other one person from his original tribe in at that campfire with him other than Ben and Adam, like even if Ben or Adam was there, he probably would have won last night. I think that he obviously has the close relationship with Parvati. He probably could have worked some with Michelle or some with Jeremy. I think you're totally right. Ben and Adam are the last two people he wanted to be with. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was just impressive. I, I, I was impressive to watch him playing to the very end because he could have just been like, I thought maybe for a second, and you tell me if he, he's even ca- capable of this, that he might have tried to do like the naif, like faux naive Rob, who's like, I don't know how to look for idols. Like he was saying stuff like that. Yeah. If he had... And I was like... Oh. Yeah, if he had played a little less hard with them and had been a little more you know, kind of a nice guy instead of, all right, guys, you know, I'm going to babysit you. I wonder if he does go a little farther, if people decide they do want to work with him. Absolutely. I mean, he was basically playing a, I run this game or I'm out of this game type of game. I know we'll talk about that more later, but it was, uh, it was the first time I've gotten to see Rob play Survivor, honestly, I think. And, and it was really, really quite, quite, quite something to see. And I don't think we've seen the end of it. And I think that one of the reasons that he could have played it differently is that there's actually a danger to Ben and Adam flipping that I want to touch on here, which is that if that tribe goes into another tribal council, if they lose another challenge, which they're now, we know now that they're very likely to, given that two tribes will go to tribal council on this next episode based on the the preview, Uh, though they didn't know that. But if they do, It is Sophie and Sarah, and they are tight. There's no crack there, as Jeff would call it, to break them apart. And Ben and Adam are obviously not that type and tight. And so what will happen is probably one of Ben or Adam could go home. And what they could have done instead, there's a real logic to sticking to Rob. Had they done that and voted Sarah out, obviously they didn't know that she had a vote steal advantage. They didn't know that Sophie had an idol. But if they had stuck together and voted one of the girls out, then they could have voted Rob out at the next tribal council and still had the numbers. Now they're in a very precarious position. Sure. So in my yeah. in my view, it's if Rob plays it differently, maybe they do have some conversations alone. And they go, wait a second. Even though we don't like Rob, sticking with him might be our best long term move. Right. I mean, and and what you're watching though is like, especially with that group of three guys, where Adam kind of can't help but constantly be playing. Like he plays really hard and he plays. He's he's a very sincere player, but he's sincerely in it to 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 maneuver a lot. He said as much last night. And then you've got Ben, who's kind of a chaos agent and kind of is like, I don't know what's going on, but is also like always flipping over tables with with gameplay. And you've got Rob, who's all about control. I felt like none of those guys were willing to basically step away from who they usually are last night. 
Like Rob had to play hard. Ben had to play his game. And Adam, you knew, you knew with the water when they went to get water, like Adam is not going to go with you, dude. You can trap him in a jail cell if you want. He's going to flip on you. No, it would. That was brutal when they went there and Rob was like, you know, okay, so we'll just go to camp and we'll stay together and no one will scurry off. Is that going to sound good? And they were very hesitantly like, sure. Okay, I guess, man. And I was surprised yeah. that Rob didn't read the room there and go, wait a second. These guys are, are they're flipping. What do you think? Rob? So what, so you think, what, what do you think Rob could have done in that situation? I think that he should have, uh, well, I think he should have kicked the tires on Sophie and Sarah a little bit. Maybe, I agree with you. Maybe he did and it wasn't in the edit, but I think you got to reach out. You got to start playing with the people that you're on. And I also think that this is fundamentally a game about trust and the buddy system is the opposite of trust. That it's, it's sure. babysitting. But ironically enough. Yeah. In reality, like, you know, Sarah and Sophie definitely had the buddy system. And, and, you know, I was just, I, I've always really been a fan of Sarah's, the way Sarah plays. And, um, I mean, we could talk about this more as we get deeper and deeper into the episode. I was kind of like, I was blown away. I thought she had nerves of steel last night. Yeah. I thought that she was going to use the vote steal. She obviously was very confident that everybody was voting with her because it did turn out to be a unanimous vote. Sure. I mean, that was a weird edit because we got like a basically a snippet of Ben seemingly making a gesture towards them as they were leaving camp. And they make mention of Sophie says, you know, we couldn't even all, all we're basing this off of is a couple of people making eyes at us as the other person isn't looking. So I assumed Adam and Ben were like, don't worry about it. But yeah, I mean, that was that was a that was a weird edit for that. I think they had before the challenge and they kind of showed this a little bit, but they had some good conversations with Ben and Adam where they realized, oh, yeah, like these guys really don't want to work with Rob. And so they felt pretty good about it. But I knew the moment that Yara lost that challenge, I was like, man, Rob is screwed because either it's the vote steal or they flip. Right, right. Which unfortunately kills our dream of Rob and Sandra being on the same tribe. I know, and then it would have been like you know it would basically have been Godfather Four when that took out when that happens. Yeah, it's unbelievable <laughs> that uh, Rob, Sandra, and Barbity are all on separate tribes at the swap. I know. I just really wanted Sandra to to like work out her anger over being lied to on Island of the Idols. Yeah, I know. I want them together. I mean, you know, we'll probably get them together on Edge of Extinction at some point. Sure. Unless Sandra, you know, has a run in her that obviously she very well could. So can I ask you a question? Do you think that it's ever an issue on the island that Sandra backs out of those challenges? I mean, she obviously participated in the one after uh, the tribes were split into three. But I was kind of wondering whether or not... Like, she certainly carries a lot of um, power, but never... But she rarely... You know, if, if she can sit out, she usually sits out, right? Yeah, she. I mean, they named the bench after her. Um, right. The sense that I get is that I think it might actually be the opposite, is that trying to pick somebody to sit out can probably often be awkward. So if you have your weakest competitor that instead of being like, oh, I want to prove myself. No, I can do it, guys. And you have to sort of convince them, no, like what's best for the tribe is you sitting out. You have somebody who's just like, yeah, I know I'm terrible at challenges. I'll sit out. It takes that whole thing out of the equation. So I think people might actually appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. But it is if you then get on a losing streak as a tribe 
and you no longer have the numbers where you even can sit somebody out, then you're in big trouble. I thought that they might be in trouble for this challenge because Sandra couldn't sit out and, you know, they were a little bit slower getting her over the the obstacle course. So they could get to the puzzle. Ultimately, it didn't matter, but it was definitely a, a bit of a liability for them. The absolute worst thing you can apparently be in any of these challenges in Survivor this season is in first place. <laughs> it yeah. just seems like every single first place team has just blown it at the puzzle. I continually think that we don't see this because of editing, but that the obstacle course must take like five minutes and the puzzle must take 25 minutes because it just seems yeah. like there's so many wild swings late in challenges. I know. Um, I wanted to ask you about swaps in general in Survivor and how we feel about them because there was a time way back in Survivor where there were no swaps. And so your tribe mattered so much going to the merge. Having the numbers in the merge was so important. Being strong as a tribe in the merge was important. And with the swap, it blows all of that up. And I'm kind of split on it on whether that makes the show better and more entertaining because there's more scrambling or if it kind of makes it feel like people can get swap screwed and, you know, people who play a really good game with their tribe can get swapped onto a tribe where they're down in the numbers and they're just out. This kind of came up, um, I guess, in the Devon season for me a little bit when, uh, what was that? Is that Edge of, was that the first Edge of Extinction? That was Edge of Extinction, yep. So basically it was like the the first time I started to get become familiar with the idea of like who deserves to win Survivor. I mean, lots of people, you know, like have their opinion or whatever, but this idea that it was somehow unfair how how what happened to Devon's towards the end of that season. So I think that if you accept that and you accept that that is something that happens, then it's good for TV. It's good TV because it just mixes things up because at week after week after week of watching one team with a numbers advantage like pulverize the team who doesn't is, is it can ultimately get a little dull but I do think that it kind of um it maybe inhibits a certain kind of gameplay because if you know that there's a tribe swap coming before the merge you can kind of wait to play survivor for a little while like even people I don't even like Kim who I don't think did anything wrong over the last couple of weeks has clearly been playing kind of the the back Michelle has clearly been kind of like I'm gonna wait and see even Wendell has kind of been like I'm cool like I'm gonna be very useful around camp and then we'll see where we get it's it it in, it should actually be a cautionary tale to watch somebody like Rob play the way he played if Tony is playing conservatively because of all these what's likely to be like a lot of activity then it kind of inhibits people playing like at the top of their game early in the season and it makes for slightly boring television. It's why usually the first couple episodes of Survivor in a new season are kind of like, okay, whatever. Right, because we got to get to know people. It Also, the swaps hurt a specific kind of player. They hurt the person who's really good at the challenges because where previously you'd be like, oh, we got to keep the tribe strong or else we'll go to every tribal council. You know, ah, you know, one or two more of these and then we'll get swapped. And so it doesn't matter if we lose our challenge beast. Let's just vote them out now. And it hurts the person who can be kind of like the provider around camp, you know, the, the person who's catching uh -huh. all the fish, building the shelter. Uh, pre In previous seasons, if you know you have a long extended time on the same tribe, you're like, well, I want to keep that person around because they make life so much better for me. But now sure. it's just like, well, who cares, you know? Yeah, there's none of those conversations when they brought up Sophie's a bigger asset and challenges last night when the three guys were talking at the well and one of them was like, well, Sophie's Sophie's an asset in challenges. It's like, Sarah's no slouch in challenges. I mean, they, they, don't, really, they don't really have any um, any dead weight 
Right. right. There's no Sandra on that tribe. No. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just if you have to, if you need any help with that, like watch what Ethan and Natalie and Amber did with the, with those mountains the other week, because like people are just beasts. Even people who haven't been on an Island in 20 years, they're incredible athletes. Right. And they may, and as we were saying with the challenges, they're not so much, Oh, you got to swim. You got to have like these athletes to win. It all comes down to a puzzle too. Sure. Yeah. But nobody seems to be like, oh, this person can't like can't swim at all, you know, which is you get you get on some survivor seasons. Right. Totally. Yeah. There's nobody. I mean, Sandra is a weak challenge player, but she's not nearly as weak as some of the people we've seen in seasons sure. past. I mean, some people are. It's unbelievable. Um, Sam, what, I mean, so where, where, where are you at with swaps? I'm, I guess I'm mixed on them. I think that having maybe one a season and I think something that was good about this swap is that it came later when it comes in episode five and one of the episodes was a, had two tribal councils. So you've already had five people booted from the game. They did get a decent amount of time with their original tribes. Sometimes they'll swap in like the third episode, you know, like it, yeah. it'll be like two people are gone and they'll swap. And I just feel like that's way too early. This felt like an appropriate amount of time. And like it should be one swap, not they've done before where they'll do two swaps before they get to the merge. And that just feels way too chaotic to me, too. So this felt like a good balance for me. For sure. I think it's time that we move on to our archetype breakdown. This is where we talk about a gameplay strategy, kind of a lane that a person can be in to try and win the game. This week, we're going to talk about the archetype that we call the Godfather. This is specifically about one type of player. It's Rob. It's a player who needs to control the game basically from wire to wire. As as uh, you know, many of the contestants talked about in this episode, Rob just herds people together and he has to, has to have control. And that's the upside. The upside is you control the game. The downside is everyone's like, man, I hate playing with this person and they're too right. big of a threat. We just got to get them out. The, you know, Rob is the ultimate example of this, of course, but there are actually others. Uh, Missy last season was a little bit like this. Um, they, they several times referred to her as like putting a hit out on players because she was kind of holding <laughs> court a little bit. Uh, and actually, I, I recently rewatched Cook Islands and Yule was referred to multiple times as yeah. like the mob boss. If you boss. look up Survivor and Godfather, Yule comes up almost as much as Rob in some ways. He was very much, Yule was hesitant to be in that role. He was like, no, you know, it's a group decision and we're all doing stuff. But he was definitely the strategic center of gravity in that season. And with his alliance that was so loyal to him, he basically turned into the kind of like hesitant godfather figure that is not how i would paint rob but well i would say that yule and rob play godfather in very different ways i mean yule clearly believes in sincere emotional connection or at least like right if right now he believes in sincere emotional connection a degree of transparency where he's going around and he's being like yeah i don't feel connected to this person or that person and it's it's difficult for me to understand that he's very 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 open in his in his conversation like in his one-on-one -on -one confessionals but also around camp and rob is the opposite rob is you're playing with me because of the mythos surrounding who i am and i am controlling you with that same mythos but we're not here to become like really tough right you'll almost accidentally falls into kind of a leadership role he's obviously a very natural leader but he doesn't it's not what he's aiming for and trying to do whereas rob is like 
he just has to be the one holding court. There's no other way for him to play. Even when he's like, oh, you know, well, who do you prefer to get out? It's still kind of he's the one initiating and calling the shots. And at, at its best, he can go four tribal councils without getting a vote or three. I think this was his fourth tribal council, um, which was, I, I think, astounding for him. But at its worst, he's very pushy and he makes a lot of enemies. Sure. Do you feel like, um, could, could you give me some like historical context with Rob? Like, was he the first time he played? Was it obviously like this? He just came in and he was like, I'm the godfather. Or was he more of a physical uh, beast before that mutated into this and then evolved into this? Or has he always played the same kind of game and, and it just is survivor has changed over the years? I haven't rewatched his first season in a long time in all stars, which was season eight back when he met Amber, he was kind of the villain in that season. Actually, it was, it was really weird. Um, He really betrayed some people uh, after I was actually due to a tribe swap. Funny enough, Amber got swapped onto another tribe and he was, she was outside the numbers and he was like, Hey, keep her around. And they were like, okay, we'll keep her, even though it was bad for their game. They understood that Rob was very tight with Amber, that this was a little bit outside of the game. Um, and then after they merged, that allowed Rob to have the numbers, having Amber still in the game. And he just kind of picked them off one by one. And there was like a lot of bad blood in that season because of that. Yeah. Um, you know, that this is pre-idols. There was basically, if you were down on numbers, there was no way to get back in it. I know on Heroes versus Villains, he instituted the buddy system and th- there was like a weird tribal council that season that ended up with him going home, but he was very much Rob kind of dominating the season and then Redemption Island was uh, a big buddy uh, buddy systems season for him as they alluded to on the show and he kind of won by dominating a bunch of newbies. So I, I would yeah. say he's kind of, this has been the type of player he's been throughout his entire Survivor career to that I can remember. Yeah, because I was kind of wondering whether or not had either obviously, obviously he got swap screwed because he went to to a, a tribe of five with the numbers, but with two guys he couldn't trust. But I was also curious about whether or not you felt like I mean they didn't really like overly dwell on this, but had Amber not gotten voted off early, that that I wonder if that almost made him play a little bit more aggressively and vengefully because he seemed really focused on that when the tribe swapped he was just like who voted for amber immediately and like how did amber get voted off and i wondered whether or not if he had kind of slow rolled this a little bit if he had if he would have had a better chance of going farther in the game if he had been like yeah you know like i'm i'm not as young as i used to be i'm not going to play as hard as i used to right off the bat but i'm still decent in challenges i know a lot about playing this game i can help people through any of the feelings that they're going through because I've played this game so many times. And almost if he had adopted a little bit more of like an Island of the Idols like persona of like not the Godfather in the mafioso way, but the Godfather of like, I'm here to help and I'm here to be like this benevolent figure. I wonder if that would have worked better for him. I think it's fair to say that his game hasn't really evolved and that was sort of his downfall. I I think you're right. If he had been, you know, yeah, I'm 10 years older than the last time I played. Uh, I'm a little more tired. I'm not going to play as hard. You know, I'm out here to, to, to win, but also to like, have a good time and maybe like complete my survivor journey or something, you know, who knows if he'll return after this. Yeah. I think it would have allowed people to trust him and open up to him a little bit more. Instead, he just tried to dominate the game from wire to wire in a way that's really hard to do in modern survivor. 
maybe impossible. Yeah, it was like it was like kind of watching Shaq, oh, two thousand Shaq play against like, you know, the Rockets or something, <laughs> the yeah. contemporary Rockets. You know, like where it was like, oh, this is like an entire new pace and space money ball type of survivor and rob is still like put it give me the ball in the post and you guys are just gonna bounce right off of me yeah yeah or it'd be, it'd be like a uh like a great guard who from a different era who refuses to shoot threes or something and it's just sure. like yeah, you yeah. can't you can't just drive into the paint every time anymore that doesn't how it works anymore i have an audio clip to play here where rob explains the buddy system that i think is a real it really highlights kind of why this went wrong for him I'm good if you're good. Okay, Sarah. Okay. But the problem is, how do we go from now all the way to tribal without getting sketched out with each other? In order for this plan to work, one very crucial step needs to happen. They're gonna run off and try to have conversations. Yeah. Unless we go back to camp, we sit at camp together, the three of us, yeah. the whole friggin' time, and nobody goes off and has any conversations with anyone else. What I think this clip shows, and we kind of already talked about it here, but it's the first off, it's him explaining the system, but then the hesitancy of Ben and Adam when they're like, yeah, man, you know, we'll go back to camp. It just shows that I don't think that this strategy was ever really going to work on these players. Um, They need to be able to go around and maneuver and talk as they're saying. And I really do wonder that if Rob he had played this a little bit differently. He could have been much more laid back about it. Let these guys talk and maybe they come to their senses and see that actually sticking with him is the best move. Dude, but there were two amazing things about this moment. One is that I love how Survivor can reduce two guys who have won a million dollars each to being 13-year-old boys hanging out with the cool guy and the cool guy is like, let's go cliff jumping. And they're like, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. That sounds like a great plan. <laughs> like it took me back to my teenage years where one dude suggests something really stupid and just to not seem corny, you're like, yeah, okay, sounds good. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so there was that. And I also really love the fact that buddy system is a response to a question that I've asked every season on Survivor, which is how do we spend the rest of the day not getting sketched out by each other? Because because you have trust. It's a game of trust, as Jeff would I say. I know, but even with trust, man, like I think that there are actually like plenty of times where there have been sincere agreements and understandings when people go the inevitable the first impulse is when you get back to if you when you get back to camp is to go and meet with the people you were closest with. And that happens earliest, at least chronologically in the way that they edit it. And so it seems as if you you go and you meet, you and I are playing Survivor together. You and I are close. So we go off and we say, hey, like this is who we're going to vote out. Let's forget it. This is, this is it. This is easy. And then easy becomes hard because we spend all day long getting water and walking down to the beach with each other, with other people. And we get into our heads that it's not the right move. And I, I almost feel like Rob would have been in much better shape if he had done that right at the end of the day before Tribal. Yeah, I really think that it's maybe actually the last conversation you have that's the most important. You probably sync yeah. back up with your group and you're like, hey, we're still good, right? And they're like, yes. And at that point, you just have to have to trust that they're on your side. Obviously, Rob could not trust Adam and Ben at all. Uh, and I think that proved to be his downfall. Absolutely, yeah. 
All right. We've talked a lot about Rob. Let's move on to our, <laughs> as he deserves, because this will be our last chance to talk about him. We've talked a lot about him for all the episodes of this podcast, but you know we'll have to transition into a new era of Winners at War after this. Uh, let us do our superlatives. Let's start with our best moves. Uh, Chris, what, what was your best move of this episode? Really, just the the nerves on Sarah to not use steal a vote. It it was it would have been she could have gotten the same exact result that she was hoping for and that she got anyway by using her steal a vote. And essentially, she you know she could have swayed power there totally, but instead she really held on to it. I thought that was really impressive. I've always been pretty impressed with Sarah's like demeanor. Like I feel like she never gives away too much. And I thought she was great and tribal and she just kind of held it together and didn't use that steal of vote. And it's going to come in really handy now that they're going 50-50 against Adam and Ben and they're going to be in a situation where they have a, a basically a two and three chance of going back to tribal. Sarah is a really great player. I rewatched Kagayan a couple weeks ago and she showed flashes of potential in that season, but made some critical mistakes that resulted in her going home. And in Game Changers, she had clearly learned from all of it. She really dominated that season in the way that few people do in this era of Survivor. And you can see now in Winners at War, she is just as sharp as ever. I thought for sure she was going to use the steal of vote because why wouldn't you? You can guarantee that you're going to win that tribal. It's such a small tribe. I mean, imagine if her or Sophie had gone home, they'd be absolutely screwed if they went to another tribal. So it felt to me like using the steal of vote, I know that she really wanted to save it, but small price to pay to have control of your tribe at this point of the game. Um, but her not using it, you know, she wins it all. She They got the vote out that they wanted and she gets to keep her advantages and they're under wrap. No one knows about them. So she's really in a powerful position. Yeah, we talk about uh, Yule and Rob uh, in such glowing terms. It, it might be worth pointing out, like Sarah might combine some of the best qualities of both. I thought that she was like really sincere talking with Yule. She obviously was making connections. She's made a connection with Sophie. I think she's really building relationships, but she also, after, you know, she has played with Tony enough to expect anything. And she obviously is able to play both kinds of survivor. They're really on the level. Hey, I trust you. You trust me. Let's go forward kind. And then also uh, spy shack chaos survivor. And they've shown her making good connections with Tyson, you know, people who are on yeah. the jury where it's like, Oh, okay. Well, presumably on the jury, you know, if Tyson doesn't win his way back into the game where sure. I could see if she's able to make a deep run and get on the final tribal council, she has a great chance of winning this game. Well-liked people are the most dangerous people out there in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And, then, and so, yeah, Sarah, Sarah was definitely my, my best move. Okay. My best move is poverty. Uh, just working her new Sele tribe, the hilarious Sele tribe, uh, with Michelle, and she, you know, she found a way to talk to Yule. She found a way to talk to Nick. Hilariously, turning Nick into a puddle. Nick was like, he was like Ben talking to Rob. I mean, it was like unbelievable watching Nick just evaporate in front of Parvati like that. And she's just a very perceptive player, and I think she's playing a little bit the opposite of Rob, which is that Parvati doesn't need to have control, but she can form the, the long-term connections that might generate dividends down the road. Yeah. Uh, Parv, like you said, like Parv played the opposite game of, of Rob. It's, we've obviously been following politics pretty closely. Like 
she she's the, is she the unity candidate? I don't know. I mean, she just did a great job bringing together like uh coming out of that and and saying like I'm in, I'm I know I'm not with the person I've been playing with, so I'm going to do my best to like get everybody on my side here. Yeah, we could talk about Nick in a second though. Man, it didn't work out so great for the unity candidate though. I mean, that's true. <laughs> I, that's think, true. I think Barbie's doing a little better. I don't know. Yeah, that's um, true. Maybe this is her. It's like October in Winners at War for her. Um, she's That's searching, right. but who knows? Uh, okay, let's uh, let's move on to worst move. Um, okay, my worst move because we've already talked about it so much. I'll go first. Was the buddy system strategy? I just think this was never going to work on an all star all winner season. You got to have people who are less comfortable in the game, less comfortable with blind sides and lying and backstabbing. Um, in this case, it was just way too easy for Ben to to mouth rob to sandra and and sophie and i bet adam gave them little signals too you know sophie referred to like these winks that they were getting um because clearly clearly sarah and sophie were both very confident in that neither of them played their advantages at tribal council it seems like this might not have even been as close as the edit would make you believe yeah right yeah uh i guess my my worst move would probably be Nick admitting to Parv that she was his high school crush. Um, on one hand, I guess you could say that that breaks down some walls and brings Parv a little closer. I thought it was a little bit like just a weird thing to say, but Nick is going to have to, if Nick were to win this game, he's going to have to win it as like Bambi on ice where he's like, yeah, I just, I'm so like, I'm just a, I'm, a, I'm just a doe out in the woods. I don't even know how these things work. Cause like so far his, his absolute like hero in life has given him the fire token, even though like Tyson did it out of like so condescendingly. And then he's got the fire token. So he's, he's, he's moving in the right direction and he goes and throws out any kind of leverage he has in his new tribe by being like, just, Hey, Parvi, just so you know, you were my high school crush. So I was just like, come on, dude, man, just like, just, just be a little cool. I totally agree. It's like you need, if you're going to win, imagine sitting on final tribal council and this jury, which could include everybody who was ever in the game because of the edge of extinction twist. In order for you to win, you have to command some level of respect among these people. So don't maybe play like a little kid who's meeting Captain America for the first time. Uh, You know, you have to be able to act like you've been there before and play a little cool. This is also kind of the problem that Ben has or not Ben. This is also a little bit of the problem that Adam has, which is it's like, you know, you're kind of playing like a goofball um, and you gotta, you gotta be a little bit more like a big fish. Even if you are one of the hyenas, as Tony would say, play like you're a lion. Sure, exactly. We'll f- wrap up with our front runners to win. Obviously still very early in the game. So there's no, no one has clearly separated themselves from the pack, but Chris, who do you think is in a really good position to win the game as it stands right now? For me, it's right now. My eyes are on Sarah and Yule. Uh, Sarah showed me a lot. I thought the thing that I've started to get out of watching what's cool about winners of war is that a lot of these pl- people have played multiple times. So you get like a really nice sample size of how they play. Sarah, I feel like plays with really good tempo. Like she knows when to push. She knows when to blend into the background. She knows when to make a real connection and when to let other people make mistakes. Um, and I also feel like physically, like endurance wise, she just seems like she's, she's never sick at sea there. Um, I would also just say that I thought that story that you told, it was incredibly moving. Uh, but if you've watched Survivor before, it's the kind of story people start telling when they maybe are 
when they maybe are on their way to the final final council, uh, final jury. Right. It's almost something you want to keep under wraps. Obviously, sure. I, you know, we don't want. I'm not to trying talk to be cynical. It. Right. We don't want to be like, oh, you know, just use this as strategy or anything like that. But it is definitely the type of thing where if I'm a person on that tribe and we start thinking about Yule, I go, well, you know, I definitely don't want to sit next to him on on the final tribal council. That said, Yule is playing a great game. I'm amazed that his name has never seemed to come up. Uh, Nobody seems to be targeting him. And it is because not only is he great strategically and he plays that kind of uh, reluctant godfather role, as we were saying earlier, but he does build the real connections. He puts the work in. People just really like him. And that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. My front runner that I want to highlight on this episode is Tony. I have a, a, a brief clip to play for him where he talks about this lions and hyenas metaphor that I think is just exactly right. The biggest fear of a swap is exactly what happened to Denise and Jeremy. They're on the bottom of the numbers. But we have to be very careful because there's going to be hyenas in this game. There's going to be the lions in this game. Going to the merge with Kim, all the girls will be looking at her. So she's my shield. She's your shield. If the lions go against one another, the hyenas are going to come in and just clean up shop. And I don't want to get eaten by a hyena. The thing with Tony is he has very obvious weaknesses and very obvious strengths. His weaknesses are he gets paranoid. He can play way too hard. He can be kind of pushy with people too. He can lie too often and get caught in it. Um, And his strengths are that he's actually really likable and he's very observant. He identifies instantly that Kim is the swing vote. And he knows when people are when they don't trust him, when they're wishy-washy. He's just very, very good at kind of sussing out what's happening. Um, And he's very good strategically, too. He's very creative in the way he can use advantages and stuff. He doesn't have any yet. But right now, he's playing all into his strengths and away from his weaknesses. He has not been shown to be paranoid or pushy or just playing too hard in general. He's observing the game. He's being calm and he's using all of his strengths. And I just think that's so important for him. And he's one of the smartest players out there, uh, up there with Yule and Rob and whoever you want to say. And I think he has a great chance to go really, really far. Yeah. If, if what we've been talking about throughout this episode is, um, people evolving their games over the course of the last couple of decades, but also, you know, even of course, over the course of this season, Tony jumps out at me just because his whole, like, you're not paranoid if everyone is out to get you <laughs> style of gameplay. You can only really play that like once, one and a half times. And I think that he is really holding the wheel tight, but so far he's keeping the car on the road. He won in Kagayan with a very impressive game, but one where he was kind of teetering on the edge many times with getting voted out. And then in Game Changers, played way too hard, running off for an idol, building a a spy bunker that everybody saw that was ridiculous uh, and got voted out very early. And I think that he's learned from maybe from both of those experiences, clearly from Game Game Changers for sure. But from what we've seen so far, this is looking like it's Tony's most impressive game to me. I mean, he is playing the best survivor I've probably ever seen from him. Yeah, no, it's it's impressive. I thought he would have been an early vote out. I think I thought he would have been a camp chaos person and people would just be like, who needs the who needs the hassle? But he's he's really kept it together. Or at least an early target, too. You know, he's only yeah. been to the two tribal councils, but they went after Amber and Tyson. And again, his name is just not coming up. And he would have been one of the first people that I would have brought up if I were on that tribe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because 
He's also. Yeah, I want to watch. I mean, so who would you have gone for first? Like, obviously, like, would you, I, I like if you were playing? Wouldn't you be like the the people who have to go are Ro- Rob, Sandra, Tony, and probably Tyson, right? Just the people that I can't trust. And Tony would be a person as much as I absolutely love watching him. Uh, he just deceives everybody, and he'll say anything. And so I just feel like you know I, I can't trust anything that he says. Therefore, he would be a, definitely a person that I would want gone early. What would you be your strategy in Survivor? Um, I would like to imagine myself as like a Wendell who is like pretty helpful around camp, pretty easygoing. I don't know that I would have any uh, mad exes who were mad at me at camp. But, you you know, would be married for. You would construct but, like a three-story shelter with like a hot tub yeah. and a swing and stuff. I don't stuff. think I'm not that. I'm not that like architecturally gifted, but I think that I would like to just be you know, uh, a warm presence that people enjoyed around camp and then was like not embarrassing in or pretty good in challenges. I would like to imagine that. But I think if I missed like two meals, I would quickly turn into Adam. Yeah, it is true that the the hunger and the sleep deprivation and stuff probably plays more of a role in this than we ever give it credit for. Yeah. Do you think that you would be because, you know, there are certain players, Adam chief among them, who obviously crave gameplay. Like, they want to play. They want to meet. They want to divide up. They want to plot and do these these chess moves. And do you think you would be more like that, or do you think you would be more like, it's a full-on experience, and we're going to let the chips fall where they may? So I've been thinking a lot about this, which is why I brought it up. I am a person who would want to play the game and swing around and do blind sides and stuff, but I know that I wouldn't be able to do it alone. I think that I would have a person who is, this would be my buddy system, which is that I would ha- yeah. be in an alliance with like one person, maybe two, right. who's just like... You you're make a blood oath like on day two. Yeah. This, yes. I'd be like, let's play the game together. And it would be somebody who I can trust and work with and go far. Kind of the way that Dom and Wendell did on Ghost Island. Maybe the way that Christian and Gabby did for a while on David versus Goliath. You see these, you, you have like these duos that sometimes emerge. I feel like I would be one half of a duo because I don't know if I could play the game just by myself flying around the way that someone like Adam is. And in that case, the way this relates to Tony is Tony is a person who I could never be in a duo with because I don't trust him. Tony is a lone wolf type player. Um, and that is just not the way that my game would be. And so he would be somebody that I, I feel like I would have to target. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. I think that that is a good note to end on. Uh, that's really all the time we have. Thank you so much for listening to The Pod Has Spoken. I'm Riley McTee. That's Chris Ryan. Steve Allman is our producer. We'll be back next Thursday. We'll see you then. <laughs>